the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Over the line, or closing, he's in. A backhander and a save by Tony Esposito. Stan Mikita was a, a small guy, very cocky in those days. A right hand by Magnuson, and he puts that guy down. Magnuson trying to tear his hair out. NBC Chicago's James Naveau. Six seventy, the scores, hockey guy Jay Zawaski. Two four, Hawks win, Hawks win again. Chris Chelios in overtime. Part of Blue Wire Podcasts. Came off the boards, he shoots, he's going down to the tape. A game-winning goal. The Hawks live to fight another day. Falling back, Sobel drives, gets it from The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Chicago's going to be in last place forever. Triple Threat Sports, Fry the Coop, and by the Sins in Law Group. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, friends. This is yet another edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We just can't stop podcasting because the Blackhawks just can't stop making moves. I am James Navo from NBC5 Chicago. With me, of course, as always, is the one, the only, Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score and the I'm Pat Podcast. Jay, it's been a busy couple of days for the uh, good old Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, they just keep making moves even, like, minutes after we get done with uh, podcasts. And today... They made a bunch of roster moves. It's crazy how many moves they've made, and it's funny. We did a podcast yesterday. Right when we finished, they traded Brent Seabrook's contract for Tyler Johnson, and that feels like a lifetime ago. That feels like the oldest news in the world somehow. It's remarkable. They've been incredibly busy. We don't know if they're done. I've been texting people all day saying, am I safe to do a podcast right now? And they're kind of like, eh, maybe. So it appears there's more coming. Probably nothing as big as we've seen over the last couple days, but I don't think uh, Stan Bowman is done tweaking the roster by any means. So real quick, email us madhousepod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at madhousepod. Instagram, madhouse underscore pod. Check out our Public shop. That link is in our bio. Lots of cool designs in there. Not just Madhouse podcast stuff, but we got some cool like video game designs, some Detroit sucks designs. People seem to really like the stuff we're offering in the Public shop. So make sure you check that out. As well. Okay, so we already mentioned yesterday the Hawks traded the rights to Brent Seabrook to the Tampa Bay Lightning for Tyler Johnson and a second round pick. I guess we should just kind of go chronologically here, James. Initial reaction when you heard that trade. I did a little bit of a update to our podcast. I actually did like an old school record scratch and brought myself in to the beginning of it. <laughs> um, so your reaction first and foremost to the Seabrook for Tyler Johnson deal. Uh, my initial reaction last night was, of course, that the Blackhawks were saving some money on the salary cap during the offseason with Seabrook going on LTIR when the, the season begins. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized that, hey, I still don't know exactly how LTIR works during the offseason. So I kind of set that one aside. But I ended up coming to the conclusion that, yes, the Blackhawks have gotten a player who's going to be useful to them unlike Brent Seabrook who is basically just kind of taking up space obviously since he's now effectively retired from the NHL but at the same time 
the Blackhawks did the Lightning a massive solid with this move because the Blackhawks are actually going to have Tyler Johnson play for them for $5 million a season the next three years, and he's essentially going to be a bottom six center. I would imagine he would be on the third or fourth line. He can win you some faceoffs. He can play some defense, score a few goals here and there. But they basically upgraded that position at the cost of about $4 million when you would compare it to somebody like David Camp, who we'll get to a little bit later in this podcast. And then they, what they did is they ended up doing a really big solid to the Lightning because the Lightning just turned around today and gave Braden Point an eight-year extension worth $9.5 million a season. They now have him under contract long-term. They've got Kucherov under contract long-term. Same thing with Vasilevsky and Hedman. The, the Lightning are poised to contend for a really long time with all of these guys they have under contract and the Blackhawks did him a solid and all they got out of it basically was a second round pick and a guy who's essentially going to provide you with what probably 25 30 points a season and some uh, face-off victories yeah I you know I don't mind helping other teams if it helps the Blackhawks and I think this this move certainly helps the Blackhawks I know you know we can look at stats we can look at what he did in Tampa Tyler Johnson's a better player uh, then his numbers show because, look, he's limited his ice time on a team that's stacked, right? Um, he's going to be hugely helpful for the Hawks in the locker room. He's a total professional. He's a beloved hockey player from everybody that's played with him. He's going to do some good things here. And I think sometimes we get so caught up. Not we. I just think you and me. I just mean people in general, hockey fans in general, get so caught up with stat cards and numbers and metrics and all those things that sometimes we don't take into account those little things that make a difference. And I think Tyler Johnson adds a lot to this team. Um, last night I was thinking, you know, I know everyone says how hard it is like, Oh, you know, LTIR, it's kind of a big pain in the butt to manage and yada, yada, yada. Well, you know, the Hawks would have had another 6 million plus to play with today if they hadn't made this deal. And again, I like Tyler Johnson. I'm glad he's on the Blackhawks. I really am. I think he's going to be a, a big benefit, but I don't want to hear, I don't want my GM making excuses saying, oh, it's just really hard to manage. It's kind of a headache. That's your job. Your job full time is to manage the salary cap in the roster. So I'm sorry if it's difficult and it causes a little bit of a headache, but $6 million of cap space is $6 million of cap space, right? I get wanting to be rid of it. I not. I get not wanting it to be hanging over your head, but guess who's not worrying about it hanging over their head? The Tampa Bay Lightning, who have won two consecutive Stanley Cups. They don't seem to think it's that big of a burden, so I don't know why the Blackhawks do. So it's a little thing. Again, I like the trade. It's good that they're out from under it, but I don't want to hear the excuse of, well, it's just a bit of a headache to manage, yada, yada, yada. No, I don't like it. But I like the fact that Tyler Johnson's here. I think he's really going to provide a lot to the Blackhawks. And, um, you know, we're going to keep going through, like, kind of chronologically how everything's happened, but... This team is suddenly pretty solid. They they it's a pretty good team. So, you know, after uh you know, last night we wake up, find out pretty early in the morning, Bob McKenzie does like a 16 tweets in one and says, "Here's where everyone's going." <laughs> Just like and puts Jake McCabe uh to the Blackhawks, which we talked about um earlier this week on Monday. That was a name I'd been hearing and a lot of people had been hearing. No surprise there. Uh, and they add a left side defenseman who's a solid defender, could be Seth Jones's line mate uh, on that top pair if Calvin DeHaan is traded. And there were a lot of rumors today that the Hawks were indeed trying to move Calvin DeHaan's deal. 
So just like we did with Tyler Johnson, James, your thoughts on Jake McCabe. I think the biggest move of the day by far. Uh, yeah, because obviously that gives the Blackhawks some really good uh, – it gives them another really solid player on a really reasonable deal on their blue line. Um, there were a few folks today who suggested this, and I immediately took to the idea having McCabe play with Connor Murphy I think is going to be a really solid potential pairing for the Blackhawks, especially if that ends up being their second pairing this season. I think that that could be a really fascinating one to watch. Like, look. McCabe has, what, 18 goals, I think, in his career. He's not the biggest offensive dynamo that has ever existed, but that's not what he's going to be here for, right? He's going to be here to be another responsible guy on the blue line to play some really solid defensive hockey, allow some of these younger guys like your Ian Mitchells of the world to maybe freelance just a little bit. I think that adding McCabe to the mix, especially at the price that they did, I like $4 million a season for McCabe. If he comes back from his knee injury and is the type of player that that he was before that four million is a very reasonable cap hit and it just is an immediate replacement if they'd end up deciding to move on from Calvin DeHaan and I'm really interested to see if Jeremy Colleton does what I think would be the wise thing and ends up putting him on a pairing with Connor Murphy yeah I'm definitely down for that and I want to get into DeHaan a little bit too but first uh, as we do when the Hawks make big moves we reach out to the people that know the best I wrote reached out to Joe DiBiase he is the host of Locked On Sabres, and I asked him if he could send me a scouting report on Jake McCabe. He did just that, so let's give that a listen here on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Hey, Jay, Joe DiBiase from the Locked On Sabres Podcast. Scouting report on the newest Chicago Blackhawk, Jake McCabe, former Buffalo Sabre, now former Buffalo Sabre, uh, signs a four-year deal worth $4 million per year to sign in Chicago. Not a guy that I have ever considered to have any elite qualities on the ice. I think he does have an elite quality off the ice, and that just comes in his leadership. The guy has been the vocal leader of the Sabres in that locker room for the last three or four years, and I think he can help bring some of that to Chicago. Not that Chicago needs it. they got a lot of those type of guys in their locker room already, but he'll add to it. And I think on the ice, even though he's not necessarily great at any one particular thing, I would say he's good at pretty much everything. He's a good skater. He's got decent puck skills. I would say he's good to very good in his own end. He really improved this past season with his zone exits. I thought that was one area that he struggled early in his career is when he would kind of get pressured in his own end. It was either a turnover or it was just a, a blind flip out to center ice, just basically punting it to the other team. Whereas I think as he got more comfortable with getting his feet wet in the NHL after a couple of seasons, he had his head up. He was making tape-to-tape passes into the neutral zone right on the stick of his forwards. Um, and I think that really made him the, the the very good defenseman in his own end that he has become. I think that's really where his value will come is he's blocking shots in his own end. He is tough. I mean, he is going to obliterate guys that come across the ice with his head down. He's not Scott Stevens out there, and he doesn't have the size to be doing that all the time um, or else he'd be injured a lot. But he picks his spots, and he can really be a physical defenseman and uh, I think that's an element of his game that he brings. He's not going to let anybody stand in front of his goalie without a fight. Um, 
and again, like the the other stuff is there. This is not some old school defenseman that's just going to be cross checking guys in the corners and in front of the net. I mean, he can play. He can skate the puck through the neutral zone and up the ice. He can make passes all over the ice. He can finish here and there in the offensive end. Um, he can contribute, jump into the play in the offensive zone as well. So, all in all, I think what you have here is a pretty good number four defenseman. Like, that's kind of how he reads to me. He's a second-pair defenseman. Uh, if he's on your top pair, I think something's probably gone wrong via injury or someone hasn't played up to snuff on your current roster. But second-pair defenseman, he can be on your number one penalty kill unit. He is on. He's the guy that's on the ice when you're up one goal with a minute to play. Because, again, he's got a lot of good qualities in his own end, and just the heart and soul that this guy plays with, he will put his body on the line. He will put his face in front of slap shots if he has to to get that W. So, McCabe, a great guy. Sabre fans loved him. Great character player and a good all-around defenseman on the ice. Uh, I think Chicago is getting a hell of a player, especially with with uh, with not a crazy long contract, not a crazy expensive contract at four years, $4 million. There you have it. Joe DiBiase, host of the Locked on Sabres podcast. That's a really good take. And that's sort of been the consensus as you've seen, you know, people from Buffalo talking about it and analysts breaking it down. That's the kind of guy Jake McCabe is. And it's sort of just what the Blackhawks needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And especially like uh, we've mentioned before, they kind of needed some more uh, veteran presence on the blue line, especially if they are going to end up potentially trading away a guy like a Calvin DeHaan. Um, obviously, you bring Seth Jones in here. He's 26, has plenty of experience, but I really like the uh, leadership and the ability to really kind of impact games defensively that McCabe does kind of bring to the table. I think that it's a very reasonable cap hit. It's a really reasonable term for a 27-year-old, and I know he's coming off a knee injury, but you look at some of the other uh, guys that are on this roster, your Riley Stillmans, your Wyatt Kalnicks, and your Caleb Joneses, this helps to kind of slide them into uh, more proper roles, I think, with the Blackhawks. And I think that it's ultimately just a really good boost to the quality and to the depth of the blue line. And I have to give the Blackhawks credit. I think this was a really solid signing. Yeah, I like the signing too. I want to talk a little bit about Calvin Nahan, But first, I want to tell everybody about our friend Kent Sinson of the Sinson Law Group. After over a decade of prosecuting homicide cases as an assistant Cook County State's attorney, Kent opened his own firm over 20 years ago, specializing in all forms of personal injury cases. His firm's results speak for themselves with millions recovered for their clients. Sinson Law Group charges no fees unless they win for you, so call for a free consultation, 312-332-2107, or visit SinsonLawGroup.com. Don't go off sides, go top shelf. Call now. 312-332-2107, SinsonLawGroup.com. That's spelled S-I-N-S-O-N. So, James, seeing the rumors about Calvin Hahn uh, being shopped around, it got me thinking, are the Hawks maybe better off keeping him on the roster, having guys like Bodan and Mitchell play their time in the American Hockey League, and then when they prove they're ready to come up, then you trade Calvin DeHaan. The fear is, of course, with DeHaan that he's a little bit injury prone. And if he's hurt, he can't be traded. But Mark Lazarus did the work. He buried uh, Brett Connolly in Rockford. He signed Hagel and Neilander, all this on cap friendly. And he got the Hawks roster to work with Debrinkit, Doc Kane, Kubelik, Taves, Borgstrom, 
Hagel, Johnson, Strom, Gaudette, Kurishev, Carpenter, uh, Kara, who we're going to talk about here in a second, Nylander, Dehan Jones, McCabe, Murphy, Caleb Jones, Kelnick, Stillman, Mark Andre Fleury, and Kevin Lincoln. And he got that team cap compliant. Mm-hmm. So it's doable to keep Calvin Dehan around. And look, if, if they trade him tomorrow for a pick, I totally get it. But if they can make the roster compliant and it looks like they can, I don't have a problem with keeping Calvin Dehan around for a while. Uh, I don't necessarily have a problem with it either, just kind of based on some of the moves that they made. I know that we've kind of mentioned DeHaan as a very likely cap casualty just because of the fact that they have made so many moves with so many big kind of sticker prices. You're looking at your Marc-Andre Fleury's, your, obviously your Seth Jones's, your Jake McCabe's now. I, I think that it's an interesting question of whether or not they can potentially keep him on the roster, especially with some of the guys they would end up having to send down to kind of make that happen. <sighs> they, it's really tough because I know that Don, when he's healthy, is a really solid defender and easily a second pairing guy on this team, if not potentially a first pairing guy. I just kind of look at this, and I'm kind of looking to see who I would kind of pair together. Do you think the Blackhawks, if they were to keep DeHaan, do you see him potentially playing on a pairing with Seth Jones? I think that might kind of be the direction they would consider going with that. I think that's where I would start. I think that would be my first instinct, if DeHaan is still here, that that's your guy. Just like Joe DiBiase said a few minutes ago, uh, McCabe is like a three or a four, right? So he's probably mm-hmm. better off on that second pair with Connor Murphy, and then that becomes your shutdown pair. It really does, and I ha- I love that you use that phrase because that's exactly how I would look at McCabe and Murphy if they were together. Yeah, I'm really excited about McCabe, man. And at first, my first instinct was, oh, that's kind of a lot of money. Um, but then as I sort of thought about it and looked at some of the deals guys were getting, I'm like, oh, okay, this is doable. This is fair. This is about what it should be. Uh, you're never going to get a discount from Stan Bowman, but I feel like four is about right. Maybe a little bit too much, but but not too crazy. So I'm down on McCabe there. Okay, so we know about McCabe. We got Tyler Johnson. Next domino to fall. As soon as we knew McCabe was signed, you knew Zadorov's days were numbered. Yep. Nikita Zadorov shipped to Calgary for a third-round pick. Good. I don't think anyone wanted Nikita Zadorov here. I kind of like the guy still because I think he's physical and kind of interesting, but whatever. He, he's gone for a third-round pick. Here's what we need to, and I'm glad he's gone, just so I don't have to hear the Artemi Panarin became a third-round pick. I know that's, when you make a trade tree, that's how it worked, but that lacks all context. Artemi Panarin makes a million, $11 million right now, so it's not, you can't, have that conversation. I get it. The sod trade didn't work I with Panarin. The sod trade didn't work with Zadorov. They lost the trades. I totally get it. But you can't say, well, now you just got a third-round pick for Panarin. You also got however many years of Brandon Sod and a year of Nikita Zadorov. Those things happened. That was mm-hmm. a reality. Those guys played here. So, um, But, hey, a third-round pick, I'm pretty pleased with that. You? Uh, they now have three third-round picks in next year's draft, Jay. Do you remember where the other two came from? Oh, don't do this to me on a long day. Um, was one the um, uh, Yanmark trade? One of them was indeed the Matias Yanmark trade. By the way, re-signed with Vegas yes, today for one year. Yep. Um, and, the, and the other pick. I don't know. The Duncan Keith trade. Oh, yeah. 
It is a conditional pick from the Edmonton Oilers in the Duncan Keith trade. So the Blackhawks now have a second-round pick, obviously their own second-round pick. They have three picks in the third round. They traded one of those away um, in oh, that, that trade happened a couple days ago. I think that was the – yeah, that was the pick to get a third-round pick this year. Mm-hmm. And then they also traded away their fifth-round pick in the Matias Yanmark trade. So lots of trades involving Blackhawks picks next season. All right, after those things, Jujar Kara from the Edmonton Oilers was signed. I had good memories of him from the series in the bubble. He was a pain in the ass to play against. Signs a uh, uh, yes. two-year deal, $975,000. Uh, will probably not be an everyday Blackhawk, probably shouldn't be but maybe your 13th, 14th forward on the roster. But a guy with some jam, a guy who will drop the gloves, a guy who's difficult to play with, uh, was asking a source about him, and he said, yeah, he is a pain in the ass to play with, but there are times where he'll sort of, I don't know, get lazy and and not play as hard as he should. Um, I don't know if the Hawks are going to be the team that can unlock that consistency from him, but uh, hey, fourth line signing, fine. Depth is never a bad thing. And, uh, you know, now that Henestroza is off to Buffalo and Pia Suter is off to Detroit and David Kampf is off to Toronto, we'll get to that in a little bit. It doesn't, it, there's not that log jam that they had, you know, 24 right. hours ago. And I think another good thing about him is, like you did mention, he does bring some jam. I mean, for God's sake, he's six foot four, weighs like 215 pounds. That definitely gives the Blackhawks a kind of physical presence that they don't really have in their bottom six. And from everything I've heard from some Oilers fans that I talked to about this, he can do some penalty killing as well, which is something that the Blackhawks certainly could use is another forward who is able to kind of produce in that specific area. And like you mentioned, I don't think he's going to be an everyday guy for the Blackhawks. I think they have too many options in that bottom six to kind of make that a reality. But if he comes in and he's able to play with some smart physicality, not dumb physicality, Nikita Zadorov, I think that he could end up being <laughs> a really u- – he could be a useful player in that way. And then if he can kill penalties – He's going to force his way into the top 12 on a regular basis, and I know that that may uh, set some of the younger guys back a little bit in terms of their playing time, but especially with the moves that this Blackhawks team has made, they're very clearly trying to finish in a playoff spot next season. You don't go out and get a guy like Jake McCabe. You don't go out and get Marc-Andre Fleury unless you've got kind of visions in your head of making the playoffs immediately, and if he can end up being a guy like that that can give you some good physicality and some good penalty killing, that is a tremendous asset to have on a potential uh, playoff team. I agree. He also has the versatility to play center or wing, uh, which is never a bad thing to have. So, uh uh, Kara is the right pronunciation. I think I saw something. The third player of Punjabi descent to play in the NHL. So that's cool. That's I love a cool that. thing. So um, welcome, uh, Jujar Kara, to the Blackhawks. I, I just remember him during that series. Like, man, this guy's a pain in the ass. <laughs> like, he's just, <laughs> you know, really a, a physical and, and noticeable player. And, you know, sometimes those things don't show up in the stat sheet or in the, you know, Corsi or Fenwick ratings or whatever, but it's always good to have those guys that are difficult to play against. And you add Tyler Johnson, who's one of those guys. You got Kara here. Uh, and you know, hopefully a couple of, you know, Jake McCabe is tough to play against. So, Hey, it's I, I, this roster is shaping up. So the big wild card is 
what's happening with Marc-Andre Fleury, right? We don't know. No one seems to know. And there's all these rumors like, oh, they should trade him to the Penguins and eat some of the salary. No, they shouldn't do that. And I think we mentioned this the other night, but Marc-Andre Fleury was told by Kelly McCrimmon, the Vegas Golden Knights GM, that they were talking about trading him, that they had talked to Chicago. Marc-Andre Fleury knew about this. His concern and his issue was that he was not told it's happening now or it's happening today or look for it to happen any moment. And he was caught off guard a little bit, but it's not like they never told Marc-Andre Fleury he was not going to play. And here's something to consider. Marc-Andre Fleury might be the lead candidate to start in goal for Canada at the Olympics. The other thing is, is that's pretty intense, man. Is he going to walk away from $7 million? That I don't know. The other thing is, and we talked about Alan Walsh, his agent the other day, who is a bit of a character, but he does great things for his clients. That's why so many of his clients are high profile. Could this be Flurry's camp angling for an extension from the Hawks? Say, hey, we don't want to uproot our family for one year. Extend me a year or extend me two, and I'm coming. I don't know. I mean, I I uh, pulled out my Nostradamus hat last night, and I said that I think that when push comes to shove, the Blackhawks end up playing a little bit of hardball with Mark Andre Fleury if he is kind of hemming and hawing and is like, "Hey, would you guys mind like trading me maybe to another team so that I could, uh, you know, potentially, you know, still play close to my?" I'm sh- the, I want the Blackhawks to say no. I mean, you were told this was coming. You are here now. You either play for us or you don't play. And I know that that's probably going to ruffle a lot of feathers, but guess what? This is a business. I know that it sucks for him on a personal level, and it's obviously you know pretty tough of Stan Bowman if he wants to do that. But if Stan Bowman trades Marc-Andre Fleury for $3.5 million in cap relief and eats the other half of that contract and doesn't get something significant return, again, I mentioned this last night. I'm going to say it again. That, to me, would be a fireable offense if that ended up happening because you didn't do your homework to make sure that the guy would come here, and that would be admitting that you made a colossal screw-up, and he should go. I agree 100%. If that's what happens, if the Hawks have to trade Marc-Andre Fleury and eat salary, Stan Bowman should be immediately terminated. Mm -hmm. That is is an F-up of colossal proportions, especially when you give Seth Jones $9.5 when, by the way... Dougie Hamilton signed for nine today with New Jersey. Uh, And by every measure, everyone seems to think Dougie Hamilton is a better player than Seth Jones. And to be clear, I have from an unimpeachable source that the Blackhawks preferred Jones to Hamilton. They think Jones is the better player. So there's something else. You're dishing out all this money. If you had to go now and swallow half of Marc-Andre Fleury's contract because you want to do right by the player, you got to play tough here at some point. Marc-Andre Fleury had a contract. That contract allowed him to be traded to the Blackhawks. He had the right to refuse a certain number of teams. The Hawks were not on that list. Should Vegas have told him? Should they have given him more of a heads up? Sure. The Hawks did nothing wrong here, and they should not be punished for it. If he retires, great. The Hawks have $7 million to play with, but they don't really have the starting goalie they wanted because a lot of the goalies on the market are gone now. 
Yep. I mean, they're God, I can't even like name the top starter that's still in the market. I mean, even Braden Holtby signed a cheapy contract today. How about uh Craig Anderson signing with the Sabres who quickly realized, oh wait, we don't have a goalie anymore. <laughs> <laughs> or how uh, about the Seattle Kraken getting uh Philip Grubauer? Best goalies available. Rask. Tuka Rask. Tuka yeah. Rask. Uh Devin Dubnik. Rask is 34, Dubnik's 35. Uh, Jonathan Bernier, I thought he just got traded. Did I miss that? Uh, his I thought his rights got traded. Yeah, maybe to... he hasn't signed yet. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I thought his rights got traded. Uh, that uh, Juicy Soros from Nashville, eh, it's getting ugly as we go down this list. I don't know. It does took Yeah, Rask reportedly Jonathan you? Bernier Bernier signed with the Devils. By the way, that's what I thought. It's just not it's not updated here on Sport Rack or spot rack or whatever the hell it's called. I actually asked the owner of that site, like, what is your site called? And he told me, and I forgot. And he's and like, Saros is also uh, expected to be the starter in Nashville next season. Okay. So. Okay. So yeah, that list is, is slim. You want Henrik Lundqvist? <laughs> oh, is Lord. he even going to be able to play? They're ta- he's talking about it. He's talking about coming back, but I'm not giving him. No, nope. Here, there are veteran options in goal, but, Mark, get the Mark Andre Fleury thing done. Find a way to make him your goalie. I don't care if you got to, if Stan Bowen's got to jump on a plane right now and go talk him into it and show him the Chamber of Commerce video and how great Chicago is. Do it. Bring Jonathan Taze with you. Bring everybody with you. Bring Tommy Hawk. Whatever. If you want to be like Jerry Krause with uh, Benny the Bull for Tracy McGrady, did I get that reference one hundred percent correct? I, I think, think I did. did. Yes. I love hoops. You know me. I'm a basketball fanatic. By by the way, I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, Patrick Williams, a great AHL reporter, was doing a a list of players who were still potentially looking for a new team for next season. And one of the guys that he mentioned was Terry Broadhurst, who I randomly, for some odd reason, (laughs) got mentioned on this podcast either yesterday or two days ago. Honestly, it's all starting to run together to me now. They do all run together. Yes, they absolutely do. Okay, so we've gone through who the Blackhawks have picked up so far. Let's take a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll discuss who has departed and for what on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Hey, if you love listening to us here on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, what's stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show? There's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your shows pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listen to us talk about your favorite team, then make your voice heard in Hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box in this episode to find out more. 
That's bwhustle.com slash join. Welcome back to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Jay Zawaski out here in Homewood. James Naveau out there in Kankakee, the new homeowner himself. James Naveau living large in his palatial estate in Kankakee. Hey, podcasting is the way to go, kids, if you want to make some big money in life. <laughs> yeah, you heard it during that spot break. Blue Wire Hustle. Check it out. It is a very cool thing if you're looking to get started. Want to tell you about our friends at Fry the Coop and FryTheCoop.com. Go get the best hot chicken you'll ever have. Who doesn't like hot chicken? I don't like hot stuff. Fine. Just get the chicken country style. You can get it without the sauce, but you're really missing out. You owe it to yourself to burn your face off at least once a month. And when it's time to do that, go to fry the coop. And if it's too hot, they've got a great craft beer menu. So you're good. You're good to go. You're covered there in Oakland, Elmhurst, West town, prospect Heights and Tinley park. They're awesome. You have the Jay Zawoski fat person guarantee that you will love fry the coop. Go to frythecoop.com. Start your order or dine in at fry the coop. All right. So we've talked about who's in now who's out for the Blackhawks. We mentioned Nikita Zadorov traded to the Calgary Flames for a third-round pick. Pia Suter signed a two-year deal with the Detroit Red Wings. Really impressed them with that hat trick on NBC game. Uh, two years at $3.25 million. Henestroza to Buffalo, one year, $1.05 million. And David Camp to Toronto, two years, $1.5 million cap hit. I want to start with Pia Suter. And that number, 3.25, is exactly where I started to become uncomfortable with signing him. Mm. I was comfortable how, how with, ironic. Like, yeah, like that was probably the most I would pay him. Um, and if the Hawks did, I would say, okay, but mm, I think they're better off letting him walk for that money and doing what they've done elsewhere on the roster. Um, I think Tyler Johnson for a million and uh, three quarters more is, is a lot better than Pia Suter. Probably doesn't have the upside that I would say Suter might have, but as you mentioned the other day, he's 25 years old. It's not, we kind of know what he is, right? Obviously there could still be some growth there, but it's not like he's going to make a massive jump to being like a 30 goal guy. But um, I, <laughs> the thing that terrifies me the most is that Steve Eiserman wanted him. Yeah. So I'm like, Oh God, he's going to score yeah. 50. It's very possible, <laughs> yeah. um, but just remember, he's not in the Blackhawks division anymore. So, um, it's fun. That was I, a f- fun while it lasted. <laughs> yeah, the entire year. By the and don't forget, Arizona Coyotes are a division rival now. Yeah, your guys. Hey, by the way, top of your head, the Red Wings re-signed him today. Simone, uh, not Simone Gagne, Sam Gagne. My God, <laughs> get out of the nineties, Jay. <laughs> Sam Gagne. How old is Sam Gagne? Top of your head. Oh, good God. Uh, 37. 31. No way. Sam Gagne has been in a league for 300 years. There is what? Like, I, <laughs> I know. I English is failing me right now. I can't even begin to describe. How much did he sign for? Uh, he is. He was born uh, August 31st, uh, 1989. I remember that day. I was cool back then. Uh, yeah, he is 31 years old. I am pulling up. I'm stalling while I pull up the Red Wings cap friendly page. He signed for one year, 850 K. 
You want to know something else that's really funny about the Red Wings? Mm. I completely forgot that they have Nick Letty now. Yeah, that just happened. <laughs> that just happened. The Red Wings have such a weird roster right now. They are are they trying to compete now? Or are they rebuilding? Like, what exactly are the Red Wings doing? This is ironic, considering the fact that we're talking about the Chicago Blackhawks, and we too no longer know if they're trying to rebuild or if they're <laughs> going for it. Because it sure seems like they're going to be they're going for the playoffs. It's a matter of whether or not the heck they'll actually get there. But anyway, another I former Hawks, by the way, on the Red Wings. You got that one? Just happened. Your Dennis guy, Rasmussen, Jordan Osterley. Ah, yes, good old Jordan Osterley. <laughs> Who can forget the day that he was acquired and or he was sent away in what? That was like the or they got him in the Marion Hosa trade, right? Or yeah. did they send him? No, to... they got. I think they got him. He was one of the guys they got. I don't know. I can't keep track of all this. My head is spinning from today. Don't let me think beyond today, please. <laughs> um okay so yeah suitor to detroit 3.25 would you have been comfortable with the hawks paid him that look i am a huge pia suitor fan i always said i thought that he had the potential to be a really solid center for the blackhawks didn't exactly know where to slot him in the lineup i didn't think he was going to be a franchise number one type center but i thought he could fill in at the second line center spot in a pinch and i think he did that several times in his rookie season million is a little bit much, I think, for a guy like that. I think that the Red Wings are probably going to be really satisfied with him if he ends up scoring between 20 and 25 goals. I think that's probably going to be about where they're expecting him to produce at. And then when you look at the fact that he's going to be a free agent again when he's 27, I think he'd be content with that too, and he'd be in line for a a nice little uh, pay bump if he does do that. On to Vinny Henestroza, who signs in Buffalo one year, 1.05. I don't know if that was just a numbers game in terms of roster spots for Henestroza. I really liked what he brought when they brought him back last season. I think he was really effective. Of course, he was playing top six minutes. He won't get that this year um, in Chicago or probably anywhere. Well, maybe in Buffalo. But um, I would have <laughs> liked to see him back for that money, but... I get it. Oh, they have so many freaking wingers, I though, know. dude. I, just, I don't know why I like him. Here, you know what? I know why I like him. I don't know if I've ever told this story before. If I have, people probably forgot because I forgot if I told it. I used to do those Bud Light on the glass things with Blackhawks players. And there was a day where I it was me and Vinny at, what is the place called? Twin Peaks? Like, the it's the Hooters knockoff that's like, uh, I thought it was the I thought it was the tilted kilt knockoff. No, it was kind of woodsy. No, okay, no tilted kilt's different. It was Twin Peaks was the name of the place. So, all right, you know whatever, kind of like a North Woods Hooters. We go in there, me and Vinny, are, <laughs> we're getting ready for. The, so all, all it is is like instead of wearing tight shirts, the girls are wearing tight like uh, flannels. Okay, like crop top flannels. So Vinny and I are getting ready, just talking. I'm like, here's how the night's gonna work. We look up. Two of the waitresses are making out at the like at the bar because like no one's in there yet. And I just elbow Vinny like, uh, look up. And he's like, oh, what the hell? He looked at me. He's like, is this typical? I'm like, I don't know. I've never been here before. <laughs> but <laughs> me and Vinny became a team that day. We were bonding awkwardly over what the hell are we watching and why is it so wonderful? And he ended up getting traded because he did an event with you. Of course. But then they brought him back. 
And then they let him go again. And then they let him go again. I know a lot of people on Twitter were upset that Vinny got let go, but I think the writing was on the wall with just how much they've acquired in terms of yeah. their yeah. forward prospects, the fact that Lucas Reichel is probably going to have a chance to make the roster this year. The calculus just wasn't there. And I get that the money is very reasonable for Vinny Henestrosa, but just, there's no spot, man. No, there's not. And uh, I think we've seen him in long-term seasons like where he's been a regular player for more than just deadline post and he can disappear for long stretches and kisses consistency has always been his issue so save the room for a kid that might make the team all right uh last one here david camp to the maple leafs two years 1.5 million i think when tyler johnson was acquired you knew that that ship had sailed too so um what it was interesting to me leafs gm kyle dubas met the media today after they did all their stuff and he said that camp's a guy they've had their eye on for a while i think that's interesting a big analytics staff analytics driven really like david camp's game and uh something to keep an eye on i wonder what his role is going to be in toronto because that's a pretty stacked team i wonder if he's going to be an everyday player for them uh honestly don't know i know the maple leafs have obviously a ton of forwards making some really big money so they needed to try to make some moves on the margins and i think that david camp is a really good example of a guy that can do just that he's obviously was one of the blackhawks kind of favorite players because of his ability to play really solid defense on the fourth line contribute offensively occasionally i know that jeremy colleton really liked him hell the blackhawks went so far as to protect him in the expansion draft so that seattle wouldn't take him and then promptly didn't qualify him and let him go which i think is one of the weirdest kind of turns of fortune i've kind of seen in some time with a player like we like you a lot here we're gonna put you among the these eight really important <laughs> forwards that we really like. Oh, by the way, F you, we're not giving you a qualifying offer of like a million bucks. Get lost. Like, it's just, it's so like, oh, we, we found Tyler Johnson. He's way hotter. He's going to be our prom date. Like that just kind of, it was a really weird kind of turn of events with him and just completely out of character for the Blackhawks because like I said, it really seemed like they liked him a lot, but my concern, similar to what you were thinking with Lidstrom or with um, Iserman, right? He, if he wants P.S. Suter, there is a really good reason he wants him. If Dubas really is like, we've had our eye on camp for so long, it's like, oh, dear God, what awesome thing is he going to do? And how is he going to become <laughs> the next Philip Deneau and completely ruin our lives? By the way, Philip Deneau, get that money. Boy, he got some, he got some scratch today. That's too much. I like Philip Deneau. I'm not giving a, a defense-only center $5.5 million. I'm not Good doing luck, it. LA. I, I mean, he might be the premier defensive center in the league that doesn't also score like Kopitar or Bergeron or whatever. Right. But five and a half. Incidentally, million? another guy on the Kings. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's a lot. That's a steep contract. But, hey, good for him. I really like him. And I liked him before I they him traded too. him for Dale Weiss. And, uh, Thomas, and Fleischmann. Thomas Fleischmann, who played a combined like six games for the Blackhawks or something like that. And then he went on to become a key contributor to a Stanley Cup final team. Yeah, gotta love it. Lord, oh, Lord. Ugh. Anyway, speaking of that team, is Thomas Tatar signed anywhere? No, I at least as far as I have seen. Um, That's mind boggling. There's man. a lot of there's a lot of stuff out there still like the Tarasenko thing is not resolved. The um, what's the other one? Uh, Eichel. Mark Andre Fleury. Yeah, Eichel <laughs> obviously is not uh, is not resolved yet. 
But um, yeah, there, there's still some names out there. Zach Parise was supposed to sign with the Islanders today, but it hasn't happened yet. Anything that shocked you today? Any signings or contracts or anything that really uh, surprised you? I was a little bit surprised that Hamilton signed for $9 million. I thought there would be a little bit more of maybe a bidding war for him. I thought that there were enough teams interested that that could potentially happen, so I was a little bit surprised by that. I was not surprised that Ryan Suter signed with Dallas. I was a little bit surprised that it was for that much term. I didn't realize he would get four years. That doesn't impact the buyout for the Wild, right? It's not like the NBA, I think it is, or MLB, where it like deducts from whatever you're owed by your previous team if you sign a new deal. I don't think think so. I don't think so either. I just was kind of throwing that out there for kind of a comparison, but I was a little bit surprised he got four years. He also got, I think, at least a modified no movement clause, which I thought was a little odd, but... And then just the fact the Carolina Hurricanes, their weird goaltending situation that they ended up doing this like massive freaking like ring around the rosy thing and ended up with Frederick Anderson and Auntie Ranta. I thought that was hilarious too, that after all of that, they're basically spending the same amount of money that they would have spent on the other two guys on two brand new guys. Yeah, it's a little weird. It's a little strange, but yeah, it's today was as wild of a, of a first day of free agency as I can remember. And uh, like I said, there's still some, some big names to go. And I think there's still some work to be done for the Blackhawks. So we'll keep an eye on it. I think we're probably done doing the daily podcast. Hopefully, uh, hopefully though, by the end of the week, we get some clarity on what's going on with Marc-Andre Fleury. Cause the Hawks are going to have to do something. Like they got to figure this out. They've got to know so they can get a damn goalie. I guess they're comfortable with Lankinen. I guess if that's the worst case scenario, you're okay. But Boy, Marc-Andre Fleury would really, really make a huge difference. So I really do think they'd be in that running for the top four in the Central if he's there. If not, it's going to be a lot harder. All right. Well, let's wrap it up, James. I know you've got a ton of work to do, so thanks for taking time out of your work schedule. We'll talk to you all next time on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Fry the Coop, Triple Threat Sports, and by the Since In-Law Group. Mira Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.